is Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. Yes, sir. Much better holiday than May 4th. And tomorrow is the biggest holiday of them all. Your birthday, 23. Join in the club. Damn right. I got to do something crazy for Jordan. I think I might have a big cigar I'm puffing on going into midnight tonight or something. A cigarello. How about that? Something let's, like that. Let's do it. That Jordan year. great. Yes, sir. All right. To business here now. Episode 59. What's on the platter here? All right, we're doing football for a few minutes. A couple things to talk about. We're going to fix the Chicago Bulls. Obviously, there's a new regime coming in there. A lot to talk about. And then, of course, we're going to end it off with the last dance. Five and six kept the great content coming. So let's just get right into it. Football, as I was saying. Yes, sir. Schedule dropping Thursday. Is there anything you're looking to see? I'm mainly just excited to see the matchups get that fire back into it. I don't know. I'm just, I am too ready for football season. Uh, I think more than anything, I'm looking forward to the Monday night matchups because that's okay. really, I have a lot of hope for Mondays here. I'm thinking with how awful it was last year, surely it can't get any worse. And if they somehow bring in, you know, Peyton and they go make their trade for Al Michaels or whoever, <laughs> hey man, Monday night football is going to be looking pretty good. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we still don't know who's going to be calling the games. We got Drew Brees signing with NBC, I believe. Um, so he'll be joining them after this season, right? Yeah, well, you would think. You would think. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Let's move ahead here. Fifth-year options on the hot seat. Oh, God. Not good. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Bye-bye. That's not a competition at all. That's Nick Foles' team. They're going to the Super Bowl, so that was going to be an apparent decision not to pick up Mitch's fifth-year option anyway. But, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting that most of the top guys off the board, fifth-year options got declined, and all of the guys that were taken after them had their fifth-year options picked up. Yeah, uh, four of the top five did not get their fifth-year deal renewed. Miles Garrett was the first overall pick. He got his, obviously. So, no to Trubisky. Foles comes in with a three-year, $21 million setup, still on his deal. Solomon Thomas let go by the Niners. Fournette, obviously. Jags couldn't find a trade partner, said, we're not picking up your option for the fifth year. And then Corey Davis, throw up in my mouth. That was a terrible pick. How did he go top 10? Looking back on it, I still don't understand how that happened. And then you factor in that he's from Wyoming or where was it Wyoming or central eastern Michigan? One it of was the something two. random. It was something random. And I mean, if Jerry Judy's not going top 10, how the hell did Corey Davis go top 10? I guess it just tells you this draft was all kinds of a mess. But then Adams gets picked up by the Jets at pick six, and then McCaffrey, only guy in this whole draft class to sign a multi-year extension so far. So hopefully hopefully the 2020 draft works out better. Let this be a lesson to all the guys that got picked in the later rounds, mid-rounds. They're the ones with the chip on their shoulder. These guys at the top, they get there, they get that guaranteed money, and I guess that flame burns out. One thing on Jamal Adams, are you still hoping that he might end up a cowboy or is that dead? Have y'all moved on from that after the draft? I'd be foolish not to hope for that. <laughs> you think he stays around with the jets or just wait and see on that? I don't know what the jets, I don't know why they wouldn't bring him back. I mean, he's in Colin cowards, top 10 players in the NFL. That's oh, all you need God. to know about the play of Jamal oh, Adams. God. Yeah, well, Adam Gase is still their head coach, so a lot of questionable things going on there. Yeah, and then moving on here, we got Frank Gore signing with the New York Jets. He turns 37 next Thursday. This guy's a workhorse, a legend, and I got a little figure for you. Is he going to play? I don't know if he's going to play, but... Maybe he, if Le'Veon goes down or get him a few carries here and there on first down or something. Yeah, and just bringing his presence into that locker room, a locker room that needs some veteran leadership. <laughs> they need anything they can get. Can't go wrong. I think he was with Adam Gase in Miami, so they have somewhat of a relationship. Guy's a winner. He knows how to bring it every day. I like it. 
So what you're saying is Frank Gore is probably going to be their every down back, and Adam Gase is going to bump him to number one on the depth chart above Le'Veon. Yeah, most likely. But anyways, okay. Frank Gore rushed for 1,695 yards when Patrick Mahomes was in the fifth grade. Jeez. He's still kicking. 16th season. I think, now that you say that, I think Frank Gore was a first-round pick in my first-ever fantasy football draft in, like, sixth grade. He probably was. He was a killer with the Niners. Yeah, it was, like, his second or third year with the Niners, I believe, actually. And he was he was legit. Yeah, last one here. What do you think about Andy Dalton to Dallas? To be honest, as much as I love to ridicule Jerry and just dump all over him, I think it's a good move because... If you have issues with Dak, if he goes down, you've got a reliable guy who, in all honesty, might be damn near just as good in that offense with those weapons. So I think it's a solid move. You're not paying him too much money, sure, with those incentives in there. If you're actually having to pay them that, then it means something cataclysmic happened and he ended up playing a lot of games. So I think it's a solid deal. I don't really think there's anything that you could be too excited or pessimistic about either way, though. Yeah, even on the money front, $7 million for maybe the best backup QB in the league or one I mean, of the yeah, best. That could be your Nick Foles right there. Exactly. That's not a bad deal. You look at Jameis getting $1 million, Everyone's freaking out about how little that is. I like this pickup. We have not had a good backup quarterback with Dak at the helm. I mean, Cooper Rush was the guy. <laughs> Hey, so, don't hate on my boy uh, John Kitna back in the day when he stood in for Romo for a few games. He was pretty elite. <laughs> Kitna was nice. I got to give it to you. Stephen McGee, little A&M shout out. Shout uh, out. That one's not ringing as much of a bell there. The name okay. is, but not not too much. He was there before Tannehill. But uh, no, I, oh, okay. I like the Dalton move last year. I got really concerned when Dak got beat up. I thought the season was going to fall apart, not the... It was going great, but great insurance. He comes back home to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metropolitan. Great pickup, better team. Yeah, and last thing on that, this isn't going to happen, but if that locker room falls apart or you're having a really rough season or Jerry decides five or six games in, hey, Dak isn't the guy, you've only got him franchise tagged. So you could turn around, you could go deal him for a pretty nice haul, I would assume. And then you've got Andy Dalton for the rest of the season and you can figure it out after that. So don't think that'll happen, but worst case scenario, shoot, you got Andy Dalton there who's been, been to the playoffs before. Well, there is a possibility that Dak holds out if they don't get a deal done. Oh, I would love to see that. So if he holds out, you don't have to worry about calling up the scalps or what do they call them? The scabs. The scabs, yeah. These replacement players to try and lead you to victory. You got Dalton there if Dak doesn't want to play McCown a call. week one or week two. What's his name? Josh Johnson, the Redskins guy? Oh, the old K-State quarterback who was great for the Bucks his rookie year and then just took <laughs> oh, the complete wrong was, trajectory with his career? That was Campbell. Jason Campbell, right? No, Jason Campbell was with the Redskins. You're, you've got a mixed here, I think. Because I, I suffered through Campbell back in the Clinton Portis days. Yeah, they, they were both not great. I think Campbell stuck around a little longer and played in the light of mediocrity longer. But yeah, neither were very good NFL quarterbacks. And regardless, Dallas will be fine. Dak's a diva. I like Dalton better anyway. Well, we know who the better quarterback is, but let's get into it. Do not forget to check out Peter's new weekly Sunday column. You can follow all blog posts from our site by scrolling to the bottom of the homepage and click and follow via email. And we will be back next with How to Fix the Bulls. The main event. Yes, sir. The Chicago Bulls have been the topic of conversation, not the current Chicago Bulls, but the Bulls of the past. We're going to flip that before we get into the last dance today, and we're going to talk about the new front office in Chicago. Jerry Reinsdorf finally mixed it up, fired Gar Foreman, John Paxson, bringing in a couple new guys fresh set of minds and i think both these hires are going to do a damn good job in chicago 
Well, I don't think they can do much worse than what we've seen for, shoot, the last two, three decades since Jordan. I mean, I, I will give them a little bit of a pass on the D-Rose thing because you can't predict that the guy is going to have those knee injuries and everything. But other than D-Rose, I mean, they just swung and missed for about two decades. Yeah, I mean, they hit they hit it home on that pick. They were nice to watch with Kirk Heinrich, Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, Luau Dang. They had some decent pieces, but that was it. That's the only okay team they even really assembled over the last couple decades. So nice to see some change in there. They were decent with Jimmy, and they trade him in his prime. That's another questionable move. Yeah, when they had Rondo as their point guard that one season where they tried to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs but just didn't have enough. Yeah, but let's get into it here. Arturis yeah. Karnisavis coming over from the Denver Nuggets. He was a general manager there. Lithuanian guy coming in to be the EVP of basketball operations. And then Mark Eversley, he was in the Philadelphia 76ers organization. He's coming in to be the new GM. Both these guys got pretty interesting backgrounds, and I think they're going to come in. They're going to be a great one-two punch. What I've read about them is that they're going to be very collaborative. Each decision is going to be made by the two of them, and they're going to leverage each other's relationships if they need to try and get a trade done, if they're trying to recruit a free agent. So they have a great strategy set in place here, and I'm excited to see what gets done. Yeah, it would be pretty interesting with the whole last dance. You know, there's going to be a little bit of a revival of Bulls fans, I think, and people that want to see that organization succeed. And how cool would it be for these two guys to come in and restore the Bulls to the Bulls of old shortly after the whole last dance craze? I mean, I think it's going to take longer than a season or two, if we're being honest, but we have the roadmap here and we are going to walk you through on how we can make the Bulls relevant again. Yeah, before we get there, though, very interesting story. So Karnisavis was going through interviewing guys for this job, and I think they settled in on Eversley. It was a Sunday when they said, all right, this is our guy. Oh, I saw this. I saw this. This is cool. Him, and they got a guy named Polk and another guy, their new little brain trust. So they're talking... They're waiting till Monday to call up Mark Eversley and say, hey, you're going to be the new GM of the Chicago Bulls. But Karnisavis is watching the last dance just like the rest of us. He is fired up. He's It's just eating him up. He's like, damn, like why can't I just call him right now? So sure enough, he waits. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. He, he calls Eversley anyway just on the off chance that he's awake. He picks up the phone. He's watching it because he didn't get to whenever yeah, it came the out live. He was dealing with the kids, whatever it might be. He says, hey, man, you're going to be the new GM. And he's like, what? Like, I got this going on in the background. I cannot imagine what that feeling would be like just seeing the greatness of old and then having the opportunity to bring that back into a city that is desperate for competition I just can't think of any better moment, better moment in your career than that. Can you think of a better sports job right now? I mean, with all of the hype going on right now, you can't be any worse than what we've seen the last couple of decades too. You know, like you've got some pretty solid young talent with Kobe White, Markin and Wendell Carter. I mean, it'd be hard to really make that a bottom 10 franchise for the next decade again. It's really going to be hard to screw up. And so I just think hell of a job right now. And with all the momentum and the hype around the bulls, do you think that's actually going to help in free agency and stuff going forward too? Like, do you think once the season ends this year, there's going to be a little bit of that, man, I want to go back to Chicago and be a part of that next bulls legacy. You think that'll happen at all? I got to say, I don't think it's going to happen right now if Zach Levine is your best player, your number one option. I don't see free agents flocking to Chicago, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a chance to dive into this conspiracy. Anthony Davis sold his house in Los Angeles, Chicago kid. He's he's turned down. Why do you think he's coming out to the media and saying, I'm not 100% on re-signing? 
publicity. I don't know. The guy's dad's been saying it. I, I couldn't tell you, but I also thought, oh, hey, this could be a Tom Brady type deal. You know, Adam Schefter came out and saying, hey, look, Brady's selling his house, this and that. It makes sense. And Anthony Davis is no Tom Brady even. So if he's selling his home, sure, there might be something to it. But the reason he sold his home is because he has a second home in L.A. that's closer (laughs) to the practice facility and he can't even use his other house right now. And so he just got rid of it. That's what I read. But Anthony Davis is not going anywhere and not even really talking about players wise what I think the Bulls need. I think we can agree the very first move they need to make is coaching. Boylan is not the guy. There's no way that you could actually believe through all the nonsense we've seen with him and Levine and the practices and players not wanting to practice for him and everything else. This can't be their guy going forward, right? There is no chance Jim Boylan is the guy going forward. I would be shocked to see him come back to Chicago next season. I believe he just signed a three-year extension. I shook my head whenever I saw that. That was clearly a decision of Foreman and Paxson. But Eversley came out and said, it's too early to make any decisions on this. I want to meet him face-to-face. I'm paraphrasing (laughs) here. But we know what's going to happen. Yeah, he's getting the boot. Yeah, they, they preach player development. We've seen it in Denver. They've turned guys like Jokic into a superstar, a max guy. They're going to turn it around, and they're going to get rid of Boylan. Do you have a coach in mind? Mm, I really don't have a coach in mind, to be honest. I wouldn't mind seeing Mark Jackson, maybe. I think with what all went down in Golden State, and I thought he kind of got run out of town a little bit early, I don't love necessarily listening to him broadcasting ESPN games. I like him (laughs) a lot more as a coach than I do a broadcaster. Him and Jeff Van Gundy wear me out a little bit, but... I think Mark Jackson deserves a shot. I think he could be great developing Kobe White. And I really don't think Levine's going to stay in town. I think Boylan and Levine, ironically, neither of them could get along. And I think they're going to be the first two out of town. But, you know, even with Levine, I think Mark Jackson could do a solid job. So if I had to pick a coach just off the top of my head, I'd probably go with Mark Jackson. Is there anybody that's jumping out to you? I really don't know who's on the market. Thibodeau, a few others. Yeah. Fisdale. Fisdale would be a hell of a hire right now. That New York thing was just a load of BS. He shouldn't have got fired that fast, if at all. I'm with you on Fizz. Um, I could see Bill Self. (laughs) No, I'm not serious. I'm not serious. I don't I don't think Fisdale would be a great fit. He's had a couple rocky stops, so I'd be a little hesitant there. I, Uh... I I would be interested in the Mark Jackson thing just because he was such a great point guard in the 90s. You're definitely right. Stephen Clay, I mean, he played a big part in molding them into the players they are, or at least I think deserves some credit there. Yeah, Kendrick Perkins is pretty vocal about giving him credit for building the Warriors. Yeah. Um, Do you have any reservations about him getting thrown out of Golden State? Do you think he can't really handle the personalities. Cause I think the the thing with Steve Kerr coming out of the TNT booth to the Warriors is that he was there with Phil Jackson. He saw Phil let Rodman go to Vegas. He saw Phil let all these guys be themselves. I think that's part of it. I also think that Steve Kerr is just a little bit more cerebral and a little bit better with the X's and O's than Mark Jackson. And that just also is partially you know, just from hearing them as broadcasters, how much I've heard them talk about the game, hearing Steve uh, Steve Kerr compared to Mark Jackson, I think Steve Kerr is going to be a little bit better on paper. You know, we've got two minutes left. Let's figure out these matchups. Who's switching on to who? Who do we want to get the ball to last minute? But I think culture-wise, in a practice setting, getting guys to buy in, I think Mark Jackson is damn good. And I think there's a reason why Golden State went from being a perennial lottery team to a playoff contender so fast. I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching and just the fact that Mark Jackson got all of them to buy in, but I think he's missing a little bit of the Steve Kerr and a little bit of the Nick nurse that is there that comes down to X's and O's and winning championships. Like I'm not sure Mark Jackson is going to out coach his opposition in a seven game series. That's my biggest concern. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it's funny you said Nick Nurse because I was like, they just need a Nick Nurse. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, their their roster is way far off from what the Raptors are right now. They don't have a Lowry or a Siakam or a Baca. Right. What do you think they need to do with the roster? Obviously, Boylan could stick around. We don't know who the real coaching candidates would be. What do you like with the current roster? What do you think you would do differently? What do you think Karnasavis and Eversley are going to do? What I think they will do and should do, Boylan is getting on the first bus out of town as soon as things clear up and they can meet face to face and not do it over a Zoom call or something that just seems incredulously impersonable. But I think Boylan's gone. I think they're going to have to kind of wait. Like you were saying, I don't think anything crazy is going to happen fast just because of that roster. They don't have hardly any cap space. And the thing that's going to be messing them up the most is Otto Porter. He's going to pick up the player option for, I want to say it's around 25 mil. And that's really just going to kill the rest of their cap space. So between Otto Porter and Levine's money, it's going to be tough to do anything. And so I think what's going to happen, Chicago is going to have to take Best prospect available in the draft. I would think it's going to be a guard, someone to pair with Kobe White. If you get a chance at a guy like Halliburton, maybe around the 7 to 10 range with their pick, if they're in there, I would love that backcourt. But I think they've got to prepare to go forward without Levine. And I think after the draft happens, you're going to have to deal Levine to a team that's still got a little bit of cap space, a team that swings and misses in free agency, a team like the New York Knicks a team like the Orlando Magic or a team like the Detroit Pistons. I think those are really the only teams that would be buyers on Levine. And like I was saying, it's going to have to be after the draft and free agency because those teams always just seem to think they're going to find their fixes throughout the summer and never do. And there's really three trades I could see for Levine happening. I went through every single team, what I thought was realistic, unrealistic, and there's only three that I could even be confident enough to bring here. The first one's with the Knicks. You're going to trade Zach Levine for Frankie Smokes, Kevin Knox, and Alfred Payton. And the Bulls will probably throw in someone like Daniel Gafford also. That makes the money come out to be relatively even. And I know if you're a Bulls fan, you're going to think we can get more for Levine than that. No, you can't. I don't like that at all. You might as well give Levine away because no one is going to want to pay him over $20 million for two more seasons. 20 million a year for two more seasons. Let me make sure that that is no. Okay. Before you before you give me your other con- or your other traits. We we both are kind of harsh on Zach Levine and I think he deserves it for his kind of unwillingness to play defense, that type of thing. But the guy is putting up over 25 points a game. He he's is a talented and- player and he's still only 24. He's talented, but the money is an issue. And if we were entering a normal free agency where the China thing, and I'm not talking coronavirus, I'm talking the LeBron deal way back before when that was going to hurt the TV revenue and all of that stuff. Well, you've also got that on top of the whole mess of what we've been dealing with the last few months with COVID-19. The salary cap is going to be screwed up. Players are not going to be getting very much money this summer. So when you could go after, let's say, a Fred Van Vliet for 10, 12, or 15, 18 million, any day of the week, a team is going to do that over taking Zach Levine's money. And I think if Levine was on a 12 or $13 million a year deal, like if he would have signed this summer versus previously when the cap was so inflated, I think it'd be a different story. But this summer is just going to be tough, and I don't see any home for Levine just based off cap space other than the Magic or the Pistons. And this trade's a little more interesting. I think you'll like this one more. Zach Levine and a first-round pick for Jonathan Isaac and Terrence Ross. What do you think about that? And the first-round pick would probably be something 2022, 2023. I know that Isaac has some injury concerns, but I think... He's young enough and athletic enough and good enough defensively. If you play him at the three with Lowry Markinen and Wendell Carter beside him and Kobe White running the floor, and then let's say you pick up Halliburton or something with your first round pick this year, 
all of a sudden that core is looking real nice and you're not looking like you're stuck with Levine and Otto Porter and guys that you'd just rather move on from. I, I'm a big Jonathan Isaac guy. Yeah, I don't know if Orlando would part ways with him, but they could also pair Fultz and Levine, and they're not going to be making a big playoff push or anything. Levine's going to sell some tickets, and you can pair Levine and Aaron Gordon. You can call them the Bounce Brothers, whatever the hell you want. You could get them both in a dunk contest, doing all kinds of stuff. You're selling tickets. You're at least having fun in Orlando because you're not going to win a ring regardless. So you said Levine in a first for Isaac and Ross. Yeah, and then Ross gives him some scoring off the bench. It makes the Caps match up. He's getting 12 mil for the next couple years. Nothing crazy. A little bit more than you'd want to pay him, but I can at least go to sleep at night paying Terrence Ross, you know, 12 million next season and the year after versus paying Levine. Levine is set to make 19.5 each of the next two seasons. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought. Though. I am much more willing to pay him that than Ter- Terrence Ross's money. Really? Dude. See, the way I think about it, if you had to pull every single GM in the league and say, do you think Zach Levine could be a starting player on a playoff team that's going to win at least a series or two? I think you're going to get unanimous answer from every single GM that is a firm no. I completely disagree. Really? You're saying, could a team not win a series with Zach Levine as a starter? I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a number one option in Chicago, but if he's your number three or number four option, hell yeah, you're going to win. I think he would have to be in the perfect setting with the perfect guys around him just defensively. Because if you think about the playoffs, you're going to come up against some damn good guards, whether he's in the East or West, Whoever you're running into in the playoffs, who's he going to guard? He's going to get torched. I mean, maybe if you've got him paired with like Drew Holiday or Lonzo or someone that can really help for his defensive lapses, but I just don't see him being a guy that is good enough defensively or efficient enough offensively to ever really do anything. I think he's a ticket seller. I think he is a poor man's Westbrook. Okay, well, I read an I read a piece today about trading a strength for a weakness, and how this is something you usually see in baseball. You trade the great pitcher for the three minor league assets, the farm that, guys. Yeah, yes, sure. exactly. I think that is applicable to basketball as well. Now, I don't I don't have a whole bunch of examples, but I the first one that comes to mind is Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs trade him. Now that's the end of the Spurs era as we know it. Popovich that's looks different. like he's gone. I'm. It, it's not. It's the principle of it. I don't necessarily think you trade your best player, who's 24, scoring 25 points a game, and he's still only only making 20 million dollars a year. Before bringing in a new coach, seeing how it plays out, maybe seeing if someone can come in and speak to this guy. Because we know he doesn't want to play for Boylan. Let's yeah, see what he can maybe, do with someone who he's willing to buy into. Maybe so. But I just know if I'm looking at this team going forward and I know the cap is going to go down probably anywhere from 5 to $15 million over the next year or two, it's going to happen. The cap's going to take a hit. I won't. I okay. I also understand the comparison with baseball and basketball, but the thing with baseball, you have a million guys on your roster, and the salary cap isn't really a thing. Basketball, the cap is so finite, and your roster is so finite. If I can get one guy that I am owing a quarter or a fifth of my whole team's salary to, and he's not even the answer going forward, he is not going to be my best or second best player on my championship team that I have envisioned. Why keep him around? Because all you're doing by paying him that money and giving him those minutes is preventing your guys like Kobe White and others from getting more minutes and more opportunities and more reps. And so I totally hear what you're saying, and I think it could be foolish to just dump Levine for nothing. I just don't see the value with the cap trending the way it's going to. If the cap was going to go up 10 more million this summer like it has in the past, totally different deal. Levine is way more of an asset. And 19 million looks like a great contract versus a, ah, let's stay away from that one. So 
I'm just saying I'd get him out of town if it were me. We can kind of we can agree to disagree there. The third move that I have, I got to mention yeah. it for Levine. I'm sending him to Detroit for Derrick Rose and Tony Snell. Tony Snell's got a one-year player option left that's 12 mil. He's going to pick it up. He'd be an idiot not to. Rose is owed 7 million over, I think it's just actually next season. So you would get Rose and Snell for Levine. They would both be one-year rentals, essentially. You bring Rose home, you sell some tickets, you get off Levine's money. I think it'd just be a good story. People would be happy. Kobe White would get more touches. I would pull the trigger on that one. I know you would not. We don't have to go get super into that one. Okay. I just, I, I don't see Levine as too much of an asset. And other than that, if I am the Bulls, guys that I would love to go after in free agency, if I can yeah. make the cap space available, you know, assuming I can get Levine out of town before free agency, I'm going all in on Fred Van Vliet. I know Fred Van Vliet and Kobe White would be a little bit small, but man, if you get a big three... You can make that work. Yeah. And if those guys are, you know, everything people say they are, and I really do believe they are, they are gritty guys that don't take plays off and they're a little bit undersized, but they're not going to be pulling a James Harden on defense, you know, or just doing nothing off ball and pouting because they're not getting touches. Those guys are workhorses that are going to do all the little things. And I think uh, FVV and Kobe White backcourt would be sick. And I also like Malik Beasley. He's a Denver guy, so that can make a lot of sense. Then I also like uh, Goran Dragic. I think if they can get any of those three guys, Levine there or not, to pair with Kobe White going forward and to kind of help out his progression, I think Dragic would be great for Kobe White. Just the sense and feel he has for the game and maturity he plays with, I think that would be great. Kind of help him slow down a little bit, feel the game better and not force things. But, uh, you know, the Bulls roster isn't beautiful and there's not really a ton you can do with it right now. So in some senses, it really is a perfect job to walk into because you're not going to be expected to do a ton. Yeah, I had two guys. I'm just looking at their cap situation right now. It is the disgusting. Bulls. It's so bad. It's so disgusting. That's why the more and more I think and talk about it. They're not going to be expected to turn the ship around in the next couple of years. So if they somehow do, they are going to be exactly what Krause wanted to be in Chicago. I mean, they're going to be worshipped like Krause thought he should be. Yeah, we know organizations win championships, but I, <laughs> I, had, I had two guys. I would love to see Fred Van Vliet come in. He's just a kid from Rockford, just down the road. He's, he would be a great pick. And hell yeah, he could play at the same time as Kobe White. We saw what he did against Steph in the playoffs. He'll get yeah, in your chest. He'll if slow he can you play down. with Kyle Lowry, he can play with Kobe White, without a doubt. Hell yeah, that would be fantastic. And then another guy I saw was Harry Giles. I think he would be a nice young piece to add. I'm sure Sacramento's going to bring I him like back. That. But I, I feel the same way about Malik Beasley. I do like the Denver connection to Carnicevis. But yeah. I think Minnesota just traded for him. They're probably going to bring him back. He's still pretty young. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I forget that some of that stuff even happened right before the whole world shut down. The season was juicy, man. It was yeah, juicy. It was. Um, okay, so we both agree, Fred Van Vliet, if you can get him. This free agency yeah. class kind of sucks. It's a ton of guys like Gordon Hayward, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, all these guys who are going to pick up their player options with this right. force majeure uh, pandemic situation. Yeah, it's guys who are taking their player option and a bunch of role players after exactly. that. Exactly. So I think we can move on from there. They're, yeah. they're slated to have the seventh pick in the draft, just like they always are. What are you going with? I mentioned it earlier. The guy that really jumps out to me is Halliburton. And he's 6'5", he's got long arms, he can play with the ball in his hands, but he doesn't have to. He's an incredible spot-up shooter, and I just think if you were to put Kobe White, Halliburton, Markinen, and Carter all on the floor at the same time, I like that a lot. I mean, I really do think you're missing a three that's, you know, someone like Isaac or a solid athlete that doesn't require Porter, a ton of touches. Yeah, play. I mean, yeah, Porter, I guess he'll be fine for now. I like that core a lot, a whole lot going forward. 
Yeah, I was looking at the board having a very tough time. Sadiq Bay, your guy might be a good fit. I, I did see that, and I did think that. I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch if they land the seventh pick in the draft. Yeah, they would need like the 12 or 13 for that to be a solid pick. Yeah, so I agree. Best player available, as you mentioned earlier, they Levine is their number one option. Kobe White is going to be a long-time really good player, I think. Um Karnasovic is going to turn Lori Markinen into potentially the most improved player by some shares now while you can. <laughs> I mean, they he have stays healthy. I'm on board with that. Yeah, they have some nice pieces between him and Carter and the other guys you mentioned. I think Halliburton would be great because of his defense, but I might rather go as someone who I think has a higher ceiling. Are you going to say LaMelo Ball? I if he was there, oh. dude. If he was there, I'm not. If he's the, if he's there, you got it. I mean, just out of potential yeah. and value, you could trade him or Kobe White if it doesn't work out and get a decent haul for them. So or Levine, in that, here. do you really think Lamelo could work? Do you think just between Lamelo, Levine, and Kobe White? Is that not just a disaster waiting to happen? I mean, I guess if Boylan's out of town, you might actually have a coach there that could manage it. But can you imagine LaMelo Ball, Zach Levine, and Kobe White with Jim Boylan as the coach? Let's let's put LaMelo at the three. (laughs) He probably get absolutely shredded on defense. Oh, on defense, he would be cataclysmically awful it would be oh can you imagine Levine and LaMelo on the court at the same time defensively people would average 130 a game against them I think I could probably go put up 10 points on them we got the Bulls tonight hey let's go (laughs) (laughs) I think we both agree Eversley Karnasovas have a year to just find a new coach let this play out a little bit see if they can see who's really going to stick between Markinen, Carter, Kobe White, and Levine. You probably aren't going to re-sign Otto Porter after he makes $28.5 million this season. No. And then that next offseason, it's a pretty deep free agency class. You can have some fun, do some recruiting. Your young stars are actually sellable. So I, I think the future's bright. Can't wait to see Anthony Davis sign. You got anything else on him? Uh, No, there's no chance the Anthony Davis thing happens. Last thing I've got here, (laughs) they recently re-signed Thaddeus Young, and they've got him locked up for $13, $14 million so a year through 2022. Do you like that? I mean, I thought Thaddeus Young was decent in his late 20s, but do you think he's a guy they're going to keep around as a role player or another guy that they should try to get off the books? I mean, people have been saying, oh, we got Thaddeus Young for like five years now, and he really hasn't moved the needle anywhere he's been. I mean, he's, no, a, he's like a perennial 12 and 8 guy. Like, he's just classic. Eh. If I can get Marcus Smart for 14 mil a year, I'm not very happy about Thaddeus Young at the yeah, same dollar. Definitely. definitely. All right, let's talk about the last dance. Yes, sir. Let's do it. From the Bulls of new to the Bulls of old. Yes. Let's get back to uh, where they should be. Should we just go through this chronologically? Yeah, that's up to you. Uh, We kind of got to see the dark side of MJ a little bit, and I've been waiting for that. I thought that was very fascinating. Yeah, this is officially appointment television. Whenever my friends send me Snapchats during it and they're not watching it, I'm kind of like, they're losers. What the no, hell I immediately judge every yeah. person that isn't watching it. Like if I see somebody or like a friend or even coworker, and I'm like, hey, you catch the last dance last night? And they're like, oh, nah, man, just I'm done. Like they're they're dead to me as a person. Hope we aren't losing any listeners, all 30,000 of them because of this. I'm sure they've turned it off by now if they didn't watch The Last Dance. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. We don't have any losers that listen anyway, so we're good. Proceed. Proceed with business. Okay, so right off the top, we see the 98 All-Star game. Yeah. Kobe, 19 years old, youngest ever All-Star. 
the scenes in the in the locker room. That Laker kid, man, he, he's going to be going one-on-one all night. That was fantastic footage. I was like, damn, I wish Kobe could be watching this right now. And then we got to see him actually in the dock. So I yeah. was like, okay, at least we have that little victory. And yeah, I, that was cool. Yeah, it was amazing to see the respect that those two had for each other and the respect that MJ showed him before he ever really did anything. I mean, his rookie season, he was like, hit me up anytime you need anything. And yeah, like, MJ knew too. I remember hearing one story, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this because it was from forever ago, and I don't even remember where I saw it or who was talking about it. They said that, when Kobe and MJ played for the first time in the locker room before the game, all the people in the Lakers team were telling Kobe, you can't look MJ in the eyes. Like, you can't look him in the eyes or you're done. He will just humiliate you. And Kobe <laughs> said, F that, he can't look me in the eyes. And the whole game, Kobe was just staring right into Jordan, letting him hear it. And I remember people saying, I can't remember what this was from, whether it was like a documentary or interview or what, but there were a lot of people who said right then, like they knew Kobe had it. When he went toe-to-toe with Jordan and he was staring him down in the eyes, talking shit the whole time, they knew they were one and the same. And I think Jordan knew that too. Because you go against someone like that, and you immediately recognize it and respect it. Yeah, and the fact that he wanted him. He wanted to match up with him. It was just really cool to see kind of the passing of the torch, if you will. And then I loved how they brought in the whole story of how he signed with Nike. That blew my mind. I'm sure Nike's PR people were hurting a little bit watching that, but can't be hurting as bad as Adidas. Nike's PR people. They're jumping up and screaming about their online sales going through the roof. All right, that is fair. That is very fair. I was thinking more of the fact that he was shitting on Nike saying, I didn't want to sign with them, man. They didn't have this or that. And But that is definitely true. Their sales did go through the roof while they were talking about all those Air Jordans. Yeah, what was the, what was the first company that he was talking to? Oh, Converse. But they Converse. Didn't... Yeah, they didn't want to sign him to Converse because they had Bird and Magic and they didn't they couldn't want promise a bigger him. star. They couldn't promise him his signature shoe and all the stuff he wanted. He wasn't going to be the guy. And then Adidas didn't have their shit together. They were a mess. That's who is kicking themselves right now. Yes. That's who's kicking themselves. <laughs> Gotta be. And then the Nike thing. Phil Knight was a runner at Oregon. He started... He. Nike started as a distribution company for Onitsuka Tigers, a Japanese shoe. It evolved into Nike because Bill Bowerman, the Oregon coach, created the soles. He tinkered with all the runner shoes there. So, yeah, it was a running company. And then to get a guy like MJ to evolve it into what it is today, and the fact that they said we're predicting $3 million in sales in year one, and they did $126 million on the Jordan 1. Can you imagine owning Nike stock back then? Not, I don't know when they went public, but probably went from a buck fifty to $30 just about overnight. I think it opened at like 22 bucks a share or something, but that probably like, yeah, that shot it up. I can't imagine that in modern day scope of things, what it would be like. I mean, just blowing up your projections like that and seeing how many i'm sure they had issues just manufacturing the shoes oh without a doubt they were probably on some big baller brand shit (laughs) probably getting people their shoes four months after they ordered them that's a good point just like your tesla yeah (laughs) and then it was also uh the spike lee producing the commercials i didn't know anything about that Nothing. It's Mars. What what he call himself? Mars. What was it? I don't. It's I Mars was, Blackman or something like that. Yeah, I was trying to follow that and I couldn't understand the Bronx accent was just too strong for me. I didn't know that in Do the Right Thing, they had the Jordans on display and showed him in one of the scenes. And hey, man, you scuffed up my Jordans! Like it was a big deal, like name dropping Jordans in a movie. Because I actually took a class my freshman year, uh, intro to film and TV, and we watched 
that do the right thing Spike Lee movie. And I remember seeing the scene with the Jordans and didn't even put it together at the time. Like, holy cow, Jordans had just dropped back then. That's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool to see. I was wondering if that was the origins of people saying, don't scuff my J's. Because I remember hearing that in middle school and high school. And I just thought it was like, yeah, you paid 200 bucks for Jordans. Like, obviously, you're going to be pissed off if Maybe someone stepped is. on them. Yeah, I always just assumed that was the thing, you know, just don't scuff up my Jordans, man. Yeah, and then like Timberlake saying he would cut grass. I saw Paul Pierce All on right. the jump. The, the Timberlake thing is just a load of bullshit. <laughs> well, he Did gets you his see little cameo? Yeah, when he's talking about, I, I had to cut grass and work so hard. Dude, you were freaking making millions from Disney Channel already. What are you talking about? <laughs> Good try, though, Justin. Yeah. Relatable, such a nice guy. We can go ahead here to the Olympics, if, mm. if you're willing. Yes, sir. And then also the series against Drexler in 92, 35 in the first half of game one. Yeah, shrug game. So the coolest thing to me about all of that is the fact that he was probably hammered out of his mind playing cards with Magic Johnson till four in the morning the night before the game. And because, you know, when you get a bunch of guys like that that are that competitive and that wealthy and like to, you know, party a little bit, have fun, their card game isn't ending at 10 p.m. That's a two, three, four a.m. And they're playing a game of cards with a bunch of Hall of Famers just the night before the first game of the finals. Like, it's nothing. How crazy is that? And he's telling Magic and all them while they're playing cards. You don't understand. Don't compare me to Clyde. I'm going to destroy him. Literally does exactly what he says he'll do. Probably hung over, too. Oh, I'm sure he was. I mean, he, he could play with the... You know what? He probably wasn't even sick with the flu. He probably had a hangover. Honestly, I've actually heard conspiracy theories that he didn't have the flu. But yeah, anyway, back to the episodes. Dark side of MJ. Yeah. You could say it started with shutting out Isaiah Thomas from the Dream Team or the gambling stuff. I think it was the gambling for me. That That's when it's like, okay. Well, in the, in the politics. I want to talk about that, too. I really want to know what you think. I actually really feel bad for him because... People like us and younger than us looking at it now, the platform and the ability to speak out and be able to use your platform to make a difference, it was a whole lot different back then. And, you know, that quote, I think, has gotten a little bit blown out of proportion. He obviously said that in a slightly joking tone. He, you know, like he was serious, talk. but yeah. And the thing is, why does he have to take a stance? Why does he need to go endorse a guy if he doesn't know enough or he doesn't believe in what he's supporting? You know, like, sure, you could say that it's what he should do or if you have that big of a platform, it's unjust not to speak up for what you believe in, but why does the guy have to be forced to be political? Why can't he just say, hey, man, I just want to be an athlete? And back then... That's what everyone did. Nowadays, you know, people have their Twitter, their Instagram, they have 8 million press conferences and their own website and their foundations. And it's just different. Back then, it was so much different. And not to say that like people are better nowadays and MJ was a bad person for not speaking up what he believes in, but the guy was so focused on basketball. I just think that's where he wanted to stay focused. He wanted to stay in his world of basketball. And if you're not comfortable or not educated, on speaking up on something then don't do it you know i i just i don't knock the guy for it at all and i think if he played in today's day and age it would be a totally different story more than an athlete yeah and th that's fine but not every single athlete has to be more than that yeah i think it's just i think it's a different times but it's also like a double yeah. standard with people telling LeBron to shut up and dribble. Like, Oh, completely. There's going to be people that just bitch no matter what. And exactly. I guarantee you the same people that are telling LeBron to shut up and dribble are a lot of the same people saying, well, MJ, he didn't speak out on politics. He didn't use his platform to make a change. He's not a good person. It's just people nitpick and look to bring to stars bring people down. down. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I mean, LeBron... Mad respect for what he's done with the I Promise School. 
is a class act, always has been. We've never really seen the dark side of LeBron. Kudos to him for that. But I agree with you. If you don't want to get into politics because that's going to change the perception of how people think about you, you don't have to do it. Yeah, I or mean, even if you don't want to talk about it, you know, like if I don't want to talk about politics, I don't have to sit here and talk to the entire world about it. That's just how it is. That's the beauty of the ATM. We we can talk about what we want to talk about, and it's exactly not this be in politics. the politics podcast. <laughs> he said, "I'm a basketball player. I'm not a politician. I'm not Bill Bradley. Like, I don't have any interest in this." And with all of the fame and all of the attention he was already getting, which I think that's probably the reason he retired. Plus, maybe some of the gambling yes. stuff. There, there is even more reason why he should not have to dive into all of that. Oh, I completely agree. And that's where I was going to go with this next. Can you imagine being Michael Jordan and living that life? I mean, I get why he wanted to go gamble and stay up late playing cards every chance he got because it gets old having to be on and constantly having to just be, you know, the happy talkative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What could I do for you? Absolutely. That shit is fake. Not everyone is constantly that happy and go lucky. You telling and just me Chick Fil A is bullshitting us? Yeah, Chick Fil A is bullshitting you. That's what I'm telling you. And <laughs> Michael Jordan was living that Chick Fil A life almost 24 seven, and so I can totally understand why he doesn't want to have to go and endorse someone politically, then defend it, and then justify it, and then give statements on this and that, and get extra questions and spend more time at the podium. I don't blame him at all. Yeah, I mean, the commute to and from games, leaving the arena, it's just constant attention. Before I mean, pressers, after pressers, getting out of the building, getting in your cab, getting out of your cab, getting back to your hotel, going from the hotel elevator to your hotel room. I mean, it just, it never stops. Yeah, so I think that's a big reason why he retired. I think that's a big reason why he's been the reclusive guy that he's kind of been since he retired Yep. The second time or the third yep. time that he retired, I guess. But it, it just makes a lot of sense. Do you buy any of the conspiracy about Stern telling him to take a couple years off? No, because I think David Stern, if he's a businessman, he would open up his checkbook and say, hey, Michael, what's your gambling debt? Because you staying in the NBA is going to make me a whole hell of a lot more than whatever it's going to cost me if you leave. I'll write you a check for $25 million right now if that's going to keep you playing another year. So <laughs> I don't think that was it. But you saw the tweets about um, he owed money, fifty-seven grand or whatever it was, to... Slim Buller. Slim Buller, yeah, I saw that. And I saw people tweeting... Owes fifty seven grand to Slim Buller, owes one point two million to so and so. I looked up the Richard Esquinas guy who wrote the Michael and Me book. Yeah. So I don't I don't know the full details of it, but I thought I heard that Esquinas was kind of in debt from his business and he wrote that well, book. I'm sure. He wrote that book knowing it would sell and think right. about how like self-centered self-selling you are to a write piece a piece of shit michael and me like oh i'm such a good friend of mike's no oh, i don't even I'm think just... about it like that i just think of how big of a pos do you have to be to write a book about how this world-renowned athlete isn't perfect and how you're just gonna dump all over his career and mess his life up just because you know it's gonna pad your pockets and sell well yeah, yeah, great point. I looked him up because I wanted to figure out some more on him. Yeah. And I found a Twitter account called the, it was like the American Yogi. Same name, same spelling as the Richard Skeenis guy. Looked just like him. And it was one of the weirder things I came across on the internet wormhole. So, How many followers did he have? Like 25. Okay, so it's probably not him. It was just really, really strange. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Interested uh, to see if it was like 50 tweets that all happened during the last dance or if there's old stuff from years on years back. California desert. Hmm. 
I don't know. When you type in Richard Esquinas, it's like the only one that comes up. Let's, at, let's take a look here. At the American Yogi. Look it up. It is, it's weird. I'm a big yoga guy. I downloaded the Peloton app, got the 30-day free trial, did a yoga oh, class no. last night. But this guy is a weirdo. Oh, this totally looks like him. Yeah. It's totally him. Totally him. Well, let's, you, let's check his website out. Let's check his website out that's linked in his bio. TheAmericanYogi.com. This is a horrible website. I know, I know. Lakita Yoga, The Art of Yogic, Yogic Journaling. Video coming soon. It's the same dude. I don't think so. With over 40 years of daily practice, 17 years of full-time instruction to nearly 200,000 students, I invite you with a warm and encouraging message. Come learn Japa and or Lakita Yoga with confidence. This knowledge of Japa Yoga is shared with you honoring ancient Vedic traditions for rites of passage. Come live long with zest. Richard Eskinas. Yeah. Master of Japa and Lakita Yoga. I'm telling you, that's him. That's him. Well, if that's him, that sure says a lot about the guy that wrote the book. So he, he fell off. He fell off the map and found his inner self. He spent all his money on ecstasy and pot and moved to the desert and has just been doing yoga since. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the desert, I really want to go to Burning Man. I don't even know what that is. It's the festival. In Nevada, in like the middle of nowhere, where they burn the huge like wooden effigy, you know what I'm talking about. I honestly don't think I do. Uh, bucket list thing. I don't know if I have the balls <laughs> to do it, but fair enough. It's it, I don't know. It looks pretty interesting, and I'm sure Mr. Esquinas has been a couple times. All right, we'll have to check it out. But speaking of bucket list, I want to run with the bulls in Spain. That's on there. That's toward the top of my bucket list. Really? I don't think I would ever want to do that. I I like to do really? bucket list things that don't involve my death. Okay, well, that's like a one out of a million chance I die. And if I die running with the bulls in Spain, that's a hell of a way to go out. All right, speaking of going out, <laughs> I think that's about all I've got here. You got any other final thoughts before we bring episode 59 to a close? We can go out with that, but it was it was cool to see MVP Charles Barkley at the end of yeah. the episode, the six game series. Hadn't really seen much Dude, of his footage. I'm telling you, and anyone listening, if you have not watched old Charles Barkley and you've just been brainwashed by people who say that he ate himself out of the league and Draymond's better than him and would beat him one on one, you are oh, missing my. out because. Throughout this quarantine was really the first time that I actually went and watched footage of the old Suns games, not just highlights. Dude, Chuck today would average 28, 12, and 10. He would be a monster, a monster. The dude was a triple-double. He was solid. He was picking up five, six assists a game easy and just a walking bucket and would get so many freaking boards. The guy really is... The round he really is one of the most underrated basketball players of all time. Also, wears the gold chain maybe better than any athlete I've ever seen. And also has the ugliest golf swing of any athlete I've ever seen. But he is a man of the people. He is Chuck. He's just Chuck. There it is. There it is. Seven and eight. Seven and eight coming. Retired Mike. Gambling debt Mike. It's going to get a little dark with the stuff we mentioned earlier, his dad. How deep do you uh, think they're going to go into it? Hopefully not too deep since Mike had the final cut. Yeah, I agree. I was wondering if they would even include some of the gambling stuff. So interested to see. It's going to get very, very juicy, my friend. Juicy, juicy, the American yogi. All right, let's get it. About to go do some yoga and burn some stuff. We'll be back next week.
Okay, so you know that Francesca girl from Help Me Out with the Name? Two Not to Handle. Yes, that show. Does she remind you just so vividly of someone? Like you can't put your finger on it, but it's someone you know, like in your friend group almost. Do you know what I'm saying? Does she just remind you of someone and it freaks you out? I know what you're saying. To me, she does look like a Kardashian, but at first glance, I was like, where do I know you from? Yes, that's what I said. And when she started talking, I was like, why do I feel like I've been spoken to this exact way by a girl before? I mean, obviously, never anyone that looked like that or I would remember, but it's Sounds like a girl from middle school. Mm. Just the way she talks, like kind of how her her worldview. Honestly, maybe that's it. And the Haley girl. It must be. Okay, well, the Haley girl, she's got. Despicable. She's just a wild card. But Francesca, man. (laughs) You seen the whole show? No, I think I'm on the fifth episode, maybe. That's on. uh, It's on the things to do tonight as I'm sitting here. Enjoying Cinco de Mayo, transitioning into my birthday as yeah. I continue to just enter Hammer City. Cheers. 